0: Week four, learning and transfer training. Here's where we get into a lot of the, the psychological components of learning and training transfer. Um, the objectives to discuss the five types of learner's outcome, explain the implications of learning theory for instructional design and how you can use that. Incorporate adult learning theory, describe how learners receive, process, store, retrieve, and act upon information, the process of, of reinforcement, discuss internal conditions within the learner and external conditions, discuss the implications of open and closed skills and near and far transfer for training uh, design programs, and explain the features of instruction than the work environment that are necessary for learners and um, transfer of training. The whole transfer of training is a component of applying being involved in something and then being able to adapt to so this session we're going to talk about learning outcomes and learning and transfer both learning and training are necessary for training to be effective it's important to realize that learning is the change in the ksas where you are truly affecting and causing that change to occur whereas transfer is, refers to trainees applying what they've learned to be able to adapt that. So again, learning is understanding and, and absorbing the knowledge and transfer more generally is the application of knowledge. Um, and so you need to have both to be able to be successful in the learning and training process. We need as trainers, we need to affect both of those. So there's multiple learning outcomes. There, there's Verbal information, specialized knowledge and and skill sets that deal with naming, labels, facts, bodies of knowledge that we may or may not have available to us prior to the the, uh, going through the training course. You may be talking about unique terms that um, deal with the specific piece of equipment or the specific content. You may be talking about motor skills, which is a secondary piece of it, learning and learning outcomes, where you're adapting uh, how you deal with it, how you handle um, and manipulate certain items. And then there's intellectual skills, concept and rules critical to solving the problem. So the intellectual skills is the application to solve problems. When you're servicing a customer or creating a problem, a project, you're solving situations for your customers you have attitudes which is you're impacting the attitude of of the beliefs and how you feel um, and how a person will be perceived as how they they will react to that and then there are cognitive strategies you know strategies that regulate thinking and learning they relate to decisions regarding what information to attend to and how to remember and how to solve it so those are all different types of learning outcomes that we're gonna be talking about. Coming up next, we're gonna be talking about a variety of learning theories specifically. So in the discussion of learning theories, the, the one of the key components is there are seven, uh, specific types of learning theories that we're going to deal with or discuss. And each one of these are slightly different. And as you think about how you design your training class or your training, you need to think about how you can adapt and use these different learning theories. You have reinforcement, social, goals, needs theory, exponential uh, theories, adult learning, and information process. So reinforcement theories are, is basically... Uh, Individuals are, we act a certain way. And the reason we're acting that way is to either avoid a negative relationship or to get a positive, have positive reinforcement. So trainers need to identify what outcomes that you need to understand what the learners view as positive and negative, and then link those outcomes to the acquired knowledge or skills in terms of how you're going to deliver those and how you're going to reinforce those. So there are different types of reinforcements. And we've talked about this in some of the other uh, videos. There's positive reinforcements, which you get positive action for the outcome of what you've done. So for children, if they do well, we praise them. We give them candy, those types of things. There's negative reinforcements, which is the removal. So this is important. It's the removal of an unpleasant outcome from the desired behavior, okay? So a negative reinforcement is that if something's not positive, it is the the positive is removed. So instead of giving praise, you don't give praise. There's punishment, and punishment is is just what it says. It's it's, you, you raise your voice and correct the individual, or you correct your child if you're looking at that. Um, and then extension, which is removal of desired outcomes following undesired behavior. Again, extension is removal of the desired outcome. So I want to have something positive happen, but because of my actions, I get no, I get no uh, reinforcement at all. So you're removing that component. So there are four different types of reinforcements. And, and the ones to think about, uh, obviously, we all know about positive. We all know about punishment or negative reinforcement, but the ones to think about is where you are removing positive reinforcement and you're you're not given negative, but you're removing positive reinforcement. And so those are other types of uh, formats or reinforcements you can use. Social learning is, is basically um, you're learning from a direct experience of your skills, observing others. And so you're seeing the consequences. So if somebody does something and they get, praise, then you want to do something similar, okay? So, you're, you're behaving, you're emulating the behavior to receive rewards and positives. So, this attention, the components are attention, retention, motor reproduction, and motivation processes are the three or four areas in that. Self-education is critical. It's what my belief is in terms of how much, um, success I will get. Okay. self efficacy is, will be increased through verbal persuasion, logical verification, modeling, and past accomplishments. That's the amount of praise that I believe I'm going to get if I do this properly. Gold orientation is that you establish a goal um, and then you increase the, the ability or competency in that regard. People learn with People with a learning orientation view mistakes as useful for learning, okay? Performance orientation refers to a desire to look good in comparison to others. So individuals with performance orientation avoid mistakes because they don't want to appear foolish. So performance orientation and learning orientation are two different types of goal orientations that you need to be aware of. Promoting, promoting a learning orientation. You set goals and experiments. You de-emphasize competition. You create a community of learning, and then you provide constructive feedback where the trainees make mistakes, when the trainees make mistakes. So you have this process of learning orientation, which is, is similar to what we've talked about before. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You all, I'm assuming, are aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We start at a base, which is this uh, psychological or physiological component. Then we go to safety, social, esteem, and self actualization Each one of these, as we move up a level, has different types of components that are driven into or based on our needs. But our first one is we have to survive. Then we have to be feel safe and secure. And then we start to develop the social aspect. So Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. In some training, it's harder to integrate these because those are already self-fulfilled within the individual himself, as opposed to um, from a training environment. Uh, Alford's theory is extension, relationness and growth. Physical needs such as food, it's very similar to Maslow's. Uh, interpersonal needs and personal professional settings And the need for personal relation or personal development. So these are very similar um, to Maslow's concept. McClellan's theory is need for uh, achievement. You need to have challenging goals and and something worthwhile to be recognized for. There's a need for power, okay? Dominance and influencing others. Now, power doesn't mean that you're controlling others, but you, you have the ability to influence others and a need for affiliation need to be part of something, and a desire for social relationships. So again, this these all tie into different components. The needs theory implications is trainers should attempt to understand what learners' needs are, explain how the training will meet those needs, and adapt the training. So if we can look at all the needs theories so far that we've talked about over the last few minutes, and let the students know how we are addressing those needs through the training, how they're going to accomplish those needs, then we've, we've been successful. If certain basic needs are not met, we need to, motivation will suffer. So if for some reason I'm not successful from uh, achieving some of the basic needs that I, that I need or want, then my motivation, I'm not going to be motivated to move forward. One of the things that I think is critical is that you need to realize that you're not going to be able to address all the needs for everybody. There are certain ones that you're going to need to, to try to achieve, but you're not going to be able uh, to attend attempt to meet everybody's 100% of everybody's needs because you're not going to be able to do that. You have to think about which ones are the most valid and most important as it relates to the training courses that you're doing. Adult learning theory. Adults have to know why. That's a key component is why am I doing this? What's the reinforcement? Why, why is this important? The adults want to be self-directed. They want to be in control of their education. They want to be in control of the work. Adults bring more work-related experience to the learning situation, which is awesome because then they can experience, they can discuss that relationship of what they know, their past experience, and impact the learning that's going on. Adults enter a learning experiment with a problem-centered approach. Now, when you start talking about adult, adult learning theory, then you need to go back and start looking at the generations as to what generations are looking at problem center approaches versus versus other types of uh, relationships. So you need to be aware of what those are um, as you walk through these. Adult learning theory is mutual planning and collaboration. Users' uh, experience for examples and applications. Tell me, not only tell me why I'm doing this, tell me what I'm doing it for, But give me examples and applications as to why it's good and why it's going to work. Instruction needs to be based on the learner's interests and competencies. If you're trying to teach somebody that is very much of a uh, hands-oriented individual how to do something in theory, it's tough to do. You're going to have a hard time getting them to, to understand that or buy into that. You need to provide opportunity for application. Classic example, this class, this is a training class. You're going to work to develop training materials and train other individuals. So what do we do? You have all told five different training sessions that you're gonna be working in either individually or as a group to go through and perfect your skills, but also make sure that you're addressing the different components. As we do the training, we're gonna ask, well, were you able to, what? theories, what learning theories were you able to address, or were you able to address those, and if not, why? Information processing theory. Information processing theory uh, proposes that information is taken in by a learner, goes through several transactions, transformations in the brain before it's registered and goes to to long-term storage. Um, With the the messages is received by sensors, is registered, stored in short-term memory, then transferred to long term memory and once it's in long term memory then it will be embedded there for in the view, in the future the feedback mechanism from the environment is the final link and critical here's an example of you have of information processing there's a simula, stimulus or a message it comes to the receptors your eyes ears nose skin so i'm and then the sensory registration so i'm i'm getting uh, becoming aware of what that is that that I'm uh, being exposed to that goes to short-term memory. From short-term memory, it's going to go to response generation, and and then some of that will go to long-term memory, and some of that will go back to your environment for a feedback rec- mechanism. So it's a, it's a constant circle or evolution as you go through it. Now, this is the long description, but there's others available for you out there. Um, So this is just one other type of processing, but this is kind of honing in on the psychology of information processing within our own environment. Part two of learning theories that we're gonna go through. Now we're gonna talk about closed versus open skills. And transfers can be enhanced by understanding the type of skill that you're developing. Closed skills involve responses to predictive situations or standardized responses versus open skills skills involve situations with adaptive responses. So what do I mean with that? So if I look here, promoting transfer of closed skills, a detailed checklist could be a possibility. Providing high fidelity practice shape favorable attitudes towards compliance and reward compliance. These are all different types of things, but if you notice, there are a very narrow spectrum of things that are going on that, as it says, are closed skills. You're defining the box that you're in, whereas open skills teach more general principles. So the box is wide open now. The shape uh, favorable attitudes towards experimentation, It allows employees, and this is a critical one, allows employees to make mistakes without fear of punishment and provides rewards for experimentation. So if I can go through and try something without worrying about fear of punishment, I'm going to be much more reactive and much more open to trying that activity and learning that and expanding the base of knowledge that I've got. And again, the last one, as I've already said, is it rewards for experimentation. So not only am I uh, in an open system, not worried about making mistakes because I'm not going to get punished, I'm going to get rewards for trying new, new things. Now, that's tough to do in a manufacturing environment or in a defined environment. Open skills versus closed skills are a little bit harder to do because of the safety constraints and the other types of things that your employees have to deal with. But if you can promote the, and design open skill format, even just a hair, you're gonna get much more receptiveness to the training itself. The theory, theory of identical elements. Transfer will be maximized when the train the task, materials, and equipment are similar to the work environment. This is critical so that when you're doing training sessions, if you're teaching fire ex- how to use a fire extinguisher just don't use powerpoints actually bring in a fire extinguisher and let them handle it let me get let them get the sense and the weight for a the the fire extinguisher particularly important for promoting near transfer applied capabilities to the work situation okay so what that's saying is that the more that we can continue to to Align the training to their work environment. Okay, they will be better off. They will be able to relate that in a, in a more relative basis. They'll be able to relate that and adapt that and apply that theory um, of what you're trying to train them. Simulation generation approaches, transfers enhanced when the most important feature or general feature are as emphasized by training. This is this is kind of a given. Okay, if I'm teaching a five-part step, I'm going to emphasize the part that's the most uh, important feature or the general principle, and then I'm going to step it down. What this says is that having that ability, and this also promotes power transfer, having that ability to select the most important and then move down—that's what your your students are going to retain. They're going to retain the, the uh, important feature, and then they will all, they're not going to lose the, the ones farther down on the training sequence, but they're going to understand that and they're going to buy into that notion. Cognitive theory depends on the ability to retrieve uh, learning capabilities. This is where you get into to the ability of the students to retain information and retain the type of information that, that's needed. You're gonna have some students that are gonna struggle with this in terms of being able to retain certain types of information and, and apply it, okay? In terms of the coding sequence and enhancing storage, recall training, all the good psychological things that apply to learning and education. And and every individual is different. You're gonna have training trainees that are going to be able to pick up on this, on certain parts of it very quickly and meaningfully and others that won't. won't. That's just something you need to be aware of because you need to design your training around that you're hitting all of those for all the different individuals. The mental and physical process, which is we're starting to touch on, on the learnings, cognitive processing, organization content, and related to content to existing knowledge. So if we can start matching migrating prior knowledge with new knowledge that you're training then that's going to they're going to be able to retain that the medical uh, mental and physical process is outlined here explanation perception working storage uh somatic encoding long-term storage retrieval generalization and gratification these are all steps in a process a memory this is this is your memory process and that the objective is to get it move it to long-term storage, and then have the ability to retrieve it and use it down the road. So these are all different sequences of events that occur in in that learning process and the retention process. Learning strategies influence how training contact is coded, which is what I've been emphasizing is that if you have the ability to, each individual is going to be different in terms of what their learning strategy, what the strategies that work for them are, okay? And so they will influence how the content is coded and retained. You have rehearsal, organization, and elaboration. These are, are different strategies that you can use in your training session. You can learn through repetitiveness, okay? When you're learning to drive a car, you go out and you practice a lot, okay? But if you're teaching someone how to use a new piece of equipment, do you allow them to practice? That's something that you need to think about. For an organizational standpoint, can I relate something that they know prior knowledge to what I'm trying to teach them now? So the relationship and the elaboration both of those relate to prior knowledge and applying the new methodology, the new items that we're, that we're trying to teach them, and have them retain that information to occurrence so that prior knowledge um, is critical if there's no prior knowledge then you need to build the base for expanding the prior knowledge and you relate it to other types of occurrences so we'll we'll have some more comments in just a few minutes on the next uh video now we're going to talk a little bit about the learning cycle And, and the learning cycle is um i think it's pretty cool you have concrete concrete experience. The trainers encounter, encounter an experience. They reflect and observe. This, so the trainees think about the problem. So they encounter something. They're learning how to adapt, apply something. They reflect and observe on that. They trainees try to generate um, an idea on how to solve the problem and then They implement the idea to solve the problem. So you have a problem, you relate it to, in other terms, you have a problem, you relate it and think about the problem as to how you might be able to solve that based on prior knowledge. You think about how uh, you're actually going to different ideas. So you create your multiple choice listings of here's different ways to different solutions for it. And then I pick the one that's the right solution, in my opinion, and I implement. So, this is the learning cycle that we're talking about. Employees need to know the objectives. It's an, obje- an objective, let's go that route first. An objective has three components what the learner is expected to do or know, the level of accepted performance, and the condition which the learner is expected to perform. Having objectives are critical when training. When you're training a course, we're going to say, we expect you to know how to to be proficient in doing X, whatever X is. Okay. And then we're going to go through and qualify what is proficient. What's the definition of proficient mean? And then the third one is, are there conditions which the, the learner is expected to perform? So those are more, those are environmental activities that um, they need to work in. So these are, again, these are, are way, ways of defining the components for uh, an objective. We've talked about this a bunch, and I can't, I, I know I'm re-emphasizing it, but I really think it's important that the things you're training, the, the new concepts you're trying to get across need to be linked to current job experiences or tasks that are meaningful to them and they have they can relate to, okay? They should be permitted with familiar concepts, so you're relating. So if I'm teaching you how to drive a truck, I'm going to talk about, for, or a fork truck, I'm going to talk about first how to drive a car and the concepts of a car. Here's the brake, here's how you go faster, here's the steering wheel, here's how you do different components. And then, I, and then relate that to, well, here's the, the steering wheel on a, a fork truck. Here's the brake on a fork truck. Those types of, of components. And then I'm going to say, and then the content needs to be aligned to personal and perfective, professional goals. So what you're doing is you're adding a new skill set that's going to enhance your, your resume. So we've gone through and we're providing this, this whole sequence of reinforcement. on on that. Employees need to be able to practice. And I talked about it in this class where you're practicing, but they need to be able to practice before they get to the position where they have to be on their own. Okay. You don't want to have them overlearn the materials to to, um, overthink it. They need to be able to go through and understand ABC and practice ABC and have that embedded. And and what that means then is you have to give them the appropriate amount of time. So based on what it took you, maybe, or other individuals to learn a certain concept, you need to be able to adapt that time parameter for these uh, new trainees, You need to include the appropriate units of learning and how they can go through and do that um, in terms of the the segmentation. If you think back when we talk, well, we're going to be talking about scaffolding in terms of lesson plans. And that's the units of learning, small individual bites of learning. The the pre-practice activities or pre-practice environment for you. Uh, encouraged, the employees need to be able to compare past experiences, which is a reflection. Okay, They need to set challenging and learning goals. So the goal should be set up between you as a trainer and the trainees. Realistic expectations. Should you be able to know how to drive a fork truck in 15 minutes? Should you be able to know how to drive a fork truck in two hours of practice? should be able to pass the test, all the different types of components you need to set up. What's the format, what's the methodology for training and evaluation and completion? And so these are pre-practice conditions that will allow the trainee to become comfortable with the environment. Incorporating errors in the learning process. We all are going to make errors and how you treat them is differently as, as a train or how you talk about an error, how you provide a reinforcement, negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement when an error occurs. Errors aren't bad. You learn from your errors. That's a critical piece of it that you need to do. Okay. But you need to be able to learn from them and adapt and move forward with that. And so how, how you teach your, your students or your trainees how to use a error, a negative experience and adapt it to make it into a positive experience. And this is something that at the beginning of the class you may wanna talk with them about so that they have a, a, a good feeling about that. Mass versus space practices. Mass practices involve practicing continuously without rest, whereas spatial practice individuals are given rest intervals within the practice session. Space practice is superior. That's logical, right? If I have eight hours to learn how to drive a fork truck and I just keep practicing, keep going through the motions, okay? At some point in time, it's going to become so repetitive. I'm going to say, yes, I know it. I know it. I'm going to leave it alone. And you don't, you're going to miss certain things. Whereas if I do it for 15 minutes, then have a break, do it for 15 minutes and then have a break with restaurant intervals and during the restaurant intervals, discuss different types of things that are separate from what I'm being, uh, what I'm trying to achieve. That gives me a break. My gives my, my memory process, my short-term memory, kind of a break in that space. So space practice is superior. So you need to think about that. You need to think about that when you're doing your when you're designing your training sessions for all morning for four hour, four hour training sessions. You give breaks. Why do we give breaks? Because space practice is superior. It involves the students and that rest interval is critical in that regard. Whole versus part practice. Whole practices involve focusing all the tasks on the same time. So if I go through and say I'm learning how to drive a fork truck I have to learn how to drive it I have to learn how to run the forks sideways up and down all of those components as opposed to part practice or as I learn to drive it then I sit back and then I learn how to use the forks so up and down and sideways um and then I do the um lifting of the forks okay you need to you need to incorporate both types of them, but you have to have the right balance between whole practice and part practice. So you may whole practice may be on the driving component of it and part practice will be broken down on the use of the forks when you're looking at a fork truck, but you need to have both of them in there to be uh, successful as to, as when you're going through the training process. Now, what we've talked about during this, this brief video is different types of, applications or practice modes of how to engage with the trainees and use different techniques for the trainees. Think about those as you're designing your own training programs. Now we're going to talk about moving training content to your memory, long-term memory format, short term memory. The key component, and, and there are a lot of slides, this slide's very busy, but it helps. It is from a train or standpoint, you want to help them understand how they are learning. You want to emphasize the important parts and eliminate irrelevant information. Again, think about large versus small. Use concept mappings to show relationships. And we went through concept mappings already. Teach keywords that provide procedure sequencing or visual images. So you're looking at that reinforcement standpoint. Encourage employees to take notes and engage in reflection. One of the things you will find is that if you write something down you're more apt to retain what you've written down than if you don't if you just try to look at it by memory you're not going to re- retain it If you think back um, to when you had to do spelling lists and spelling tests when you were in uh, school writing rewriting them down is the best way for you to retain that for most people do rest breaks during the training don't try to Group it all together. Use quizzes or boosters. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Break course into small chunks and using modules or micro-learning. That's scaffolding, and we'll talk about that later. And have trainees complete the pre-training workshop or pre-training work that will help them set the stage for the environment of what they're doing. Boosters refer to a uh, opportunity that helps the learner's brain consider training information as important and helps them retain it. Boosters are multiple choice, short answer questions. If you think back many of the videos that you've done in the past for different courses or different types of things, they will have partway through the class or partway through the video, they will have a question that's inserted. What that does is it gets you back on focus and and it allows you to re-emphasize certain parts of what you're going through or what you're hearing, what's being presented. Um, and, and that's critical. And it requires the learners to retrieve what they've learned from long-term memory. Cause you wanna, you wanna move it from short-term memory to long-term memory and then back and forth again. So those boosters are key components. Again, this is something that, that think about um, when we do, you do your training sessions that as you go through it, you're asking inquiries, that, inquiries as to, well, what do you think about this? Or can you give me an example of this? Those are, those are boosters that are embedded for an entire class format that you're going through. So those, those are key components. They're called different things in, in different environments. We're, we're going to refer to them as boosters. Microlearning refers to training developed in small bits or chunks, scaffolding, um, and the chunks are learning are using video, game span, five to eight minutes. There's, there's a theory um, that you need to be aware of is that longer training sessions, go, going and sitting to somebody that, that especially for, for e-learning uh, or videos, for a half hour, if you listen to that, you're not going to retain as much as to the smaller chunks. Your memory, you can only retain a certain amount. There's, depending upon what literature you read, some says five to eight minutes max, some says two to three minutes, some says nine to 10 minutes. So there's a wide variation as to the amount of of information that you can absorb uh, in that space. But you just need to be aware that as you go through and do your training sessions, you design your training sessions to break them into smaller chunks. Uh, And it'll be much better for the the employee. Feedback comes in multiple ways. Okay. You get feedback in terms of grades. You get feedback in terms in in this class. uh, Let's pick pick this class. You're going to get feedback in terms of how well you do your lit reviews and a grade and comments. You're going to get feedback in the pros and cons from your peers on how you do a training session. You're going to get feedback um, on how the uh, you comment on the discussion board. You're going to see how other people are doing it. So social learning in that regard that you can pick up on. Um, when you take what you've learned and apply it to on-the-job type format, you're going to get on-the-job uh, feedback on a, if you're performing adequately or not. And then you get performance data. So there's multiple ways... The feedback comes to you employees need that feedback trainees need that feedback we've talked about social learning and that employees learn through observation experiences and interaction and this is a this is a modified social learning theory in that you, trainers should provide three types of interaction learner to content learner to instruction and learner to learner so what am I saying when I, meet, when I say that? Learner to content is when I'm providing lectures or your reading materials. Learner to instructor is when you, we're engaging, verbally engaging through discussion boards where we're talking about different types of things that you're working on, on your training session. And then learner to learner is when you're getting feedback or your peer reviews um, in terms of your presentations, conversations within your team. That's a great learner-to-learner learner where you start discussing the materials among yourselves and applying the materials. So that's the learner-to-learner learner concept. Training programs need to be properly coordinated, and arranged. Obviously, you need to have uh, the setup where you're training administration. Each class will be different. Each company and how your company handles training materials and training courses will be slightly different. Some of them will be more, more formalized. Some of them will be um, uh, more casual in terms of how they wanna go through and do that. Some of them are gonna have videos versus lectures, um, face-to-face. So there's a wealth of different things, but you just need to be aware that everything within that needs to be coordinated and sequenced in the proper format, including the evaluation of the materials. So not only are you evaluating the employees' performance, the trainees' performance, you also are evaluating the materials. Are the materials adequate or not? Employees have the responsibility to learn. It's not you, you as a trainer. It's not your responsibility to be assured that the trainees learn. It's your responsibility to provide the materials in a method that will be receptive and that they're in an environment for learning and that they can learn, but, it, but they have a responsibility to step up and try to learn themselves, okay? There's a self-management of goal setting and, and uh, overcoming obstacles and self-administration, administering rewards that the employees have to do themselves. You can't, force that as a trainer you can't force that on them. You need to make sure that there's a supportive work environment. I can't talk about this enough. And the one I'm going to focus in on is the supervisor's encouragement for you to learn. The supervisor's encouragement for you as a trainer to train his or her employees the lack of punishment for using new skills, for thinking about that, extrinsic reinforcement, intrinsic reinforcement consequences. These are all things that the company and the company environment, a learning organization will reinforce that and say, yes, we want you to learn. We want you to become a better employee. We want you to become a better trainer. And here's ways that we're going to enhance or help you do that. So you need to think about those types of of things, but the company, if the company is not supportive, then you need to think really long and hard about the training concepts and training in general for your organization. Uh, You need to think about both internal and external conditions for uh, how the learner is uh, being able to, to move forward and learn in these environments internal conditions within the learner that are necessary for learning. Do you have the material structure? Do you have the, the right learning theories and all the different kinds of components, the program, is it designed to do that? Is the external conditions uh, in the learning environment, are they necessary in, in, in a state where the learners can, can learn and, and excel? The external conditions will drive the form of instruction. Okay. You, as, as a trainer, need to be aware of what the best methodologies, what the different, let me rephrase that, what the different methodologies are. And then you need to be uh, able to adapt to the training mechanism and, which, and select which is better for your group of trainees. You may have one course you're teaching on Power BI and you use one approach and you have another course that you're teaching on how to use fire extinguishers and you use another approach. That's perfectly acceptable from a trading standpoint. You just need to be aware that there are various options and opportunities for doing that. And, and how you use those um, to maximize the training of your employees is critical.